All right, guys. Very good. I want to thank everybody for jumping on this broadcast. We've had our, our little bump in the road here, but all the brethren are here and looking forward to conversing in regards to single brothers in Christ and what it means to live in a, a wicked world and live righteously before our holy God. And so we're interested in that conversation. And as we're having that conversation, we are not smart enough or intelligent enough of ourselves to have this conversation. So let's ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit to be our guide and our teacher um, as we converse. Um, Brother Ola, you don't mind opening us with prayer? Of course. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be able to gather together on this platform to be able to have this conversation. We do ask that the Holy Spirit may be with us, that he may give us the words and the wisdom to bring back things to remembrance, and that you'll be in our midst, in our conversation. May others be edified as well as we ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, my brothers, we are... Last week on Tuesday, I had the single ladies on. I was the only dude there. Uh, and we had a good conversation, and I'm, I'm quite sure we're going to have a great conversation this time. Uh, before we get started, everybody doesn't know who you are. So we're going to have, we have listeners from all over the world that listen to our podcast and listen to our Zoom. And so if we can start with Brother Luami, tell me who you are. Tell us who you are, what you do. You can even tell us about the book that you're writing. And just let everybody know what's going on. Uh, yeah, my name is Loami Richardson, located in Orlando, Florida. I am a speaker, a soon-to-be author, and recent graduate from Oakwood University. Uh, I'm an associate speaker for a ministry called Revelation of Hope Ministries uh, with Taj Paklip, as well as the Harvest Director for a ministry down in Orlando um, uh, called SALT, which is an acronym for Service and Love Together. So, yeah, that's pretty much me in a, in a nutshell. All right, very good. Uh, Brother Loami is a good friend of mine. We talk often. I mean, he doesn't pay me enough for, for how often we talk together, <laughs> but we, we talk often. So I appreciate this, brother. Uh, brother Stephen. Yes, sir. So my name is Stephen Lee, and I am basically nobody. Oh, here I we mean, go. <laughs> well, um, humble game. My, my, um, my passion is really for uh, digital evangelism, and I have a digital agency that helps uh, basically ministries or businesses that is mission-minded to do what they need to do online. But I also work with Takua Missions. That's how I know Brother Andre. And we've been working together for a while now. So um, that's what I do. Yeah, Brother Steven is one of, my, one of my bestest buddies. We've been through a war together. He has survived and uh, been with me this long. So I, I love the brother and uh, looking forward to his marriage soon. Amen. Amen. All right. Marriage. Brother Ola. Come on, bro. Come on. <laughs> Low blow. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm also a nobody. Oh, <laughs> my, <name's, laughs> my name's Ola. I'm also Come here on. at Tacoma Missions. I'm the hold on, hold on. evangelistic coordinator. The Facebook live just shut down. It's okay. Uh, Let's keep going. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So, yeah, I'm the the outreach coordinator uh been here for about five not consecutively but about five years been around mm -hmm. so, yep very good i love i love brother ola i'm gonna tell you right now this is probably and he's gonna get mad at me for saying this the mm -hmm. best cavancy leader i've ever met in my life come on now come on listen <laughs> i have never had a program head 
deny to drive a van and run the ground, sell books during the day, and at night run the team. It's just never happened. And Brother Olaf, by the Spirit of God, had a great summer and much respect uh, to Brother Olaf for, for this, this summer. Character out of this world. So I love the brother. Um, very, much, uh, very much love for you, bro. Brother Andrew. Amen, amen. And now you have my name, man. You have my name. Uh, Andrew and Andre mean man. So mm-hmm. you're, you're a good brother, man. We've met a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and I've been blessed by your ministry and your preaching, and, and I see God doing great things in you, man. So tell us who you are, what you're about to be about. Amen. Um, yeah, like I was saying, my name is Andrew. Um, nothing really too, too much about me. I'm in school right now, um, nursing school, but by God's grace, I want to uh, be a physician. I really have a passion for health and just combining um, just the health work with not even combining. Like I believe that the gospel involves that health work, you know? And so really just to be Christ's hands and feet in that particular way. Um, yeah, that's, that's really me. Like I, I speak sometimes here and there, if I get invited, I have a little YouTube channel and I just have a passion for evangelism, for ministry, for reaching out and that sort of a thing. And Wonderful. By, by your ministry and, and, and to and all the brethren. Uh, praise God, brother. Praise God. Well, I've, I'm, I'm watching, I'm looking at you guys and something just came to like the fore of my thought. It just, it just said, Woo, just like this, you know, each of you have been involved in athletics. Mm. And, and I, and I thought, I thought about this. I was like, you know what, each of you, and it's been at a, in a, in an interesting high level too, for, for, for you guys. So, I'm curious, you know, now that you guys are Christians, you're walking with the Lord, you know, what is it in your walk with God that is, because for me, I'll just say off top, I used to love basketball, like love, not, I didn't like basketball. I loved basketball. And for me, sports was an idol, you know, for me. And I know what I, when I gave my heart to the Lord, things changed. So I'm not going to talk that much during this. I'm just going to ask some questions. But in this, in this present world, as Christian men, you know, how, how do we navigate the, the pressures of this world, the pressures of competitive sports, the pressures of the women? You know, how, how, do, we, how do we navigate that? Okay. So you I'll, somebody I'll, directly, I can go, I can go, <laughs> I can be real direct now. Yeah, go ahead. Logo first. Logo first. The Loami go first? <laughs> they voted. I have, I'm, I'm, because I'm more involved in it still, I, I figured I, I'll speak on it. Um, uh, my, just to kind of give a little backdrop to my story. Um, yeah, I was in love with the game of basketball, big Bulls fan, grew up watching Michael Jordan, et cetera. Um, after my conversion, obviously, my pursuit to, you know, play basketball kind of um, was put on hold or died off and um, kind of understood the principles of competitive sports and all of the things that, you know, kind of grew up believing as I was growing in my spiritual walk. Uh, maybe about three years ago, um, I felt like this this calling and this draw to really reach inner city youth. Um, I had the opportunity uh, last year to be an assistant a coach for uh, a private school that I used to attend and got kicked out of. Um, so it was a full circle after, you know, close to 20 years uh, being kicked out of that school, coming back and kind of being a spiritual mentor for them. I realized that though I may not, um, my purpose and my drive isn't to be a basketball player. I realized that um, 
God has kind of called me into that world once again to um, really speak to young people and, and, and utilize the principles that they would use in basketball in life and character development and building up men. Um, and always understanding that basketball is not life, right? There's something greater. And so actually part of the reason why I'm writing my book is to kind of focus on, on athletes and understanding their purpose and identity. And, and, and so, yeah, so for me, I, I've kind of uh, been focused on understanding that um, life is much bigger than basketball, but how can I reach people where they're at, utilize the good that I've learned from that experience playing basketball to help them grow as men and, you know, and, and help them implement the spiritual things that they need to know. And I've seen success. I, I've been able to reach more young people, um, you know, with that approach than I have with distancing myself from it. And so that's kind of just been my experience with, with that um, when it comes to sports. All right, brother, brother Steven, you have a unique um, sport that you are in. And I know you left that to, to be with the Lord and work for him. Tell us a little bit about that. So I was heavily involved in martial arts um, called Taekwondo, which is Korean. Kind of funny that I didn't do any Taekwondo when I was in Korea, but I did it in America. <laughs> but um, I was so involved. Um, I, I, I saw it as that this is the only thing that I love in my life, even above women. That's, that's how de devoted I was to this sport. And I was on my way to the Olympics, competing in a national level, um, had a full scholarship to UCLA to be in the UCLA team. And that was everything for me. There was nothing else that made me more happy. There was nothing else that I cared about more. Um, but God just switched all that around um, through circumstances that I did not understand at the time. Of course, I was frustrated when I had to stop and I uh, hit depression, um, became suicidal, all that kind of stuff. But in the end, God had a reason that is greater purpose and he had greater plans than what I thought. Mm. So that's where I am now. Amen. My brother Andrew. Amen. I never knew that about you, Stephen. That's powerful, man. Yeah, me neither. I'm like, I'm just, I got to hear that story. That was That's good. all like, a, <laughs> <laughs> I heard about that story in my life. <laughs> um, I guess just to, you know, put a, a really, um, you know, put in a quick version. Um, I used to play soccer. Um, like Stephen, soccer was my whole life. Especially being from Canada. Um, Canada's not really a soccer country. And obviously, we're known for hockey. Um, but, the, the, the crazy thing is, is that, you know, there are so many different cultures in Toronto. And mm. so, you know, that, that makes like the specific Toronto demographic um, just so diverse when it comes to talent. And so my coach growing up was, um, was Russian. He played and like, you know, he played professional and had just was widely connected. And so by God's grace, you know, I had the privilege to go to, to many high like professional teams when I was younger. And so I, I kind of just felt like I had this chip on my shoulder because like I knew that I had the opportunity. And so all I had to do was show up and perform. But every time, like if I go to like Europe, you could just see that like stigma's not the word that kind of like a uh, stereotype. Like I remember being in one specific country and when they see you and that you could ball and they know that you're from Canada, like they'll try to get it in your head. You know, like mm. I was proud this one time 
And, you know, um, the coach was like, you know, stay longer, extend my trial. Like, he wanted to sign me. As a matter of fact, he looked at me and said, do you want to sign? But I remember that when, when I was kind of staying longer and the person's position that I, that I played, um, he just started to be unusually aggressive, you know? And one time, like, I'm just like, I'm not going to take no aggression from this, you know? And I started to be aggressive back. And I remember one time, he was just like, this is not hockey. And he swore in Russian, you know? And that's just kind of like a little, a little bit of a picture of like, like, I remember one time I was in another country. We were playing a game. There's thousands of fans. And like, they just started chanting black goat, black goat. And it's like, you know, on top of not just being black, but, but being Canadian, you just feel like this nobody's going to stop me. Like, I'm just in my zone kind of a thing. And so, yes, so it's an idol, you know what I mean? But it becomes a part of who you are and it becomes a, a sense of like, no, I'm going to prove to everybody that like I'm worth it or I'm able, you know? Mm. So that's why when you take it away now, like the whole idol conversation is a whole other conversation that I, I know that all of us can speak about. Um, but I think that the whole idea of feeling like, oh, snap, like I just dedicated my whole life to this thing. Now it's like, what do I pursue? My mm. whole identity was wrapped up in this thing. And now that thing is taken away. Now I'm a nobody. Mm. You know, that was why I was cool. That was why people liked me. That was who I see myself as and how I see the world. Now when I don't have that, it's like literally I am nothing. Mm. But it's powerful that, that, like, that is the best place you could be to really have a relationship with Christ. That, that's the best place that you could be to like really understand not I but Christ. I am decreased but Christ is increased. You know? And so touching on the whole you know, idolatry thing, I remember studying, um, you know, when I was just battling this idea of, you know, stopping soccer. And I remember in Deuteronomy, the Bible specifically, not, I think it's Exodus. Yeah, Exodus. The Bible speaks about the children of Israel. It says that they sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, you know. Now, that word play there could be translated also as the word dance, right? Mm. However, when you come down to 1 Corinthians 10, um, 1 Corinthians 9, and we already know that there's no 9, 10 chapters in the Bible. Like when Paul read it, wrote it, he wasn't like, okay, there's chapter 10 now. You know, it's just a long, continuous text, right? Mm -hmm. And so the only times, you know, there might be a distinction is like maybe the little paragraph indentations. But anyways, 1 Corinthians 9, Paul begins to speak about running a race, right? He says, know you not that they which run in a race, run to receive a prize and X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. Like he continues to talk, right? Now that specifically speaking is competition, right? Mm. And it's not coincidence that he's writing that to Corinth, the very place where sports is big, the Olympics, right? And so at that time, Olympic sport was a big thing, especially running. And so Paul is making this analogy to relate to the people, mm. right? However, literally, right as he goes to chapter 10, he begins to speak about the experience of Israel. And then right after he speaks about that, he says, neither be ye idolaters, as it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Mm. I just think it's powerful there that there's no power paragraph indentation. He's just breaking it down. And idolatry was heavily linked to sport in the Greek, in the Greek times. Like that, that's a Google search away. And mm. so when I really put it together, I'm like, yo, the, the, the idea here is you go to a stadium, you go to a ball game today, there's dancing. Tell me there's not. There's dancing with the cheerleaders. There's eating and drinking. This is, this is a whole scene of festivity. There's playing, playing games. Like It's really just like the whole culture of it all consumes you to the point where like, man, like God is not in your thoughts, you know? Mm. So that was me. Um, that was the epitome of who I am. And I just felt like God called me out of that. And, and honestly, I don't regret it. And I give him grace every single day or I give him thanks every single day for the grace that he gave me. Amen. Amen. So going forward, Brother Andrew, you're going to have to get closer to that computer because it was a little hard to hear you. But, but it, it was a good word, my brother. Um, brother Ola. Well, I'm not as athletically talented as my brothers, 
are. <laughs> I was never like I never played on a team or anything, but I did have this this huge love for basketball. It actually started. I grew it growing up. I hated basketball. Like I thought it was dumb. I thought it was stupid, and I had no desire to play it or want to play it. But once I got to in high school, it was probably the sophomore year. My friends, they were playing. It was um, gym class, and they were playing, and they needed another person to play. I, I said basketball was dumb, but they needed somebody to play. So then I ended up playing. I was like, oh, this is actually kind of fun. And naturally, I have, well, especially with my high school friends, they brought out the most competitive nature in me. And so that summer, like after that, because, you know, I was the worst player out of my group. And then I said, all right, this summer, all I'm going to do is basketball. So I went to Nigeria to visit family. Hmm. But while I was in Nigeria, when I'm in the house, I'm dribbling the basketball. When we went out, if I went to a park, I was playing basketball. Like everything was basketball. When I came back, you know, it was like leaps and bounds better. And even up till college, like it was just basketball. Everything we did was basketball. After there was one time there was a heat wave in New York where it was like, hundred degrees for like a week or something and we would play basketball in in the heat wave and we would we it's not we don't like go easy especially me and my friend Irvin because he lived not too far away so we would go to the park we would play and I would come back you know don't eat anything don't drink anything all day just basketball from morning to evening and I get back home and I'm like I'm never playing basketball again because I feel like I'm dying I'm like dehydrated everything I'm like I'm never gonna play basketball again the next morning, Irvin's like, hey, we playing ball? I'm like, nah, man, I'm done. He's like, come on. I was like, all right, I'm coming. <laughs> and then you start the foolishness all over again. But what actually stops me from, like, going super, you know, super hard into it was when I was in college is when I learned about Christ. So when I was in college, there, there was only a couple of things I would skip class for. I'd either skip class to read my Bible or watch a sermon or to play basketball, which I shouldn't be skipping class for anyway. But eventually it's my love for the Bible outgrew my love for basketball. And so when there was like, okay, the gym is open for rec or you can like, you know, have this really good Bible study going on or a sermon that you want to watch, I would lean more towards the sermon than to play basketball. And so it was through that, when I ended up fully giving my life to God, then, you know, I realized it was an idol and it was a problem not to let it go. And today is actually eight years to the day I got baptized. So when, when I made that decision, I was going to go all out for Christ. It was like that zeal that I had for basketball almost like transitioned over into my Christian walk. And that's how I've been going ever since. Yeah. I, I, I remember, at least for me, very similarly, um, not that I don't like to go shoot the ball and hang out with friends or whatever, whatnot, but it's more so the extreme passion that I had for it, the time that I would use to be all day on the court. Like I could do it all day long. That changed. And the Bible became the love of my life. Like it, it just became the passion of everything that I was about. Um, so for those, for those who are, especially young brothers, you know, how do we, how do we grow in a, in this relationship with Christ at the end of the day? Because we talk about Christ, we go to church, we hear a lot of, you know, nice things about God, but the reality is how do we grow as Christian brothers? 
I'll direct that question directly to Stephen to start. <laughs> can you can you ask the question one more time? Oh, what were we doing the whole time? Um, <laughs> I'm actually doing your live video here. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Lamama, you start. <laughs> yeah, so Lamama, you start, man. How do we grow? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how do we grow, brother? Uh, how do we? It, yeah, how do we grow in the Christian walk? Because let's let's be real about it. You know, it's not always easy. No, so, so I, I tell it's not easy. Just be consistent. That's in that's in any walks of life, right? You know, uh, as you started off with the question about sports and you know what what causes us to leave you know, our passion of sports, whether it be soccer, or basketball, or kickboxing. Oh, not soccer. Sorry. Taekwondo. 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 Sorry, bro. Don't, don't, don't hurt me. Um, uh, Kung Fu. Kung Fu. Ah. But anyway, um, how, do you, how do you translate, you know, that passion and transition it over to, um, to your walk with God? And I think once, at least for me and my experience, once I understood God's love for me, um, and, I, and I got a taste of it, I wanted more of it. And I, and I realized there were things that I had to sacrifice, things that I had to be disciplined about um, in order for me to continue that experience that I, that I felt, that I, that, that I encountered. And so just as we go into training, <clears throat> not everything about training is, is great, right? Like we, we don't like it, but it's, it's, the, it's the work that we put in to try to achieve a greater goal. So sometimes there's times that I don't feel like praying. There's times that I don't feel like studying or my devotional life, you know what I'm saying? Or what I'm reading may not be, you know, reaching my heart the way that I would like for it to. But once, as long as I'm consistent and, and have that goal of trying to draw close to Christ, um, it becomes easier. It's more rewarding. And I think that's, that's what helped me transition from the sports world, right, into my Christian walk is the same discipline the same understanding that there's things are not going to be easy. You're going to get tough, but what is your ultimate goal? And my goal is to, to know this God that I experienced 10 years ago and how he spoke to me and that love that he, he showed me, like, I want more of that. And, and, and in order for me to do that, um, I have to take it day by day. Some days are better than others, you know, <laughs> if we're being honest, but um, it, it's, it's not about, yeah, it's just about being consistent and, and ultimately putting the, in the forefront of your mind, what is it that you want out of your relationship with God? What is it that you want from God? And once you have that in the forefront of your mind, even when you stumble, even when your prayer life and devotional life isn't consistent, it, it's, it's going to motivate you to want to get back up and, and do so. That's the best way to. All right. Brother Stephen? <clears throat> I definitely agree with Brother Luwami. And so I'm not going to say the same points that he did. Uh, the wisest person that I know told me this is this under concept of when I fall, God knows that I am trying to walk for the first time. So what that means is he sees me as when God, when God, when God sees me fall, he's saying, Oh, you fell again. What are you doing? Can't you just walk? Instead of saying that he's saying, Oh, he's learning how to walk. So that's a switch in my mind that happens so many often because I'm a very passionate, um, goal oriented go getter. Like, like nothing can stop me from what I want to get. And that's how I grew 
up from from youth uh, raised by a single mom you know going through an immigrant you know different lifestyle and different culture and all those things where people would constantly make fun of me in school and um, I had to I hated that being bullied by all these people because I couldn't speak English well I'm an immigrant I you know I don't fit in and all these things but in the end how I, I, I wanted to be that popular kid. I wanted to be that guy who could um, have the respect from people. And so when I wanted that, I even had to make fun of myself in order for them not to make fun of me first. So I would beat them to it, uh, talking about Asians and, and joking around and making fun of other Asians or myself so that they wouldn't do it. So I had that much pride. Um, and also when... Uh, because I didn't fit in, of course, I try to change my attire to be more gangster, uh, starting hanging around with all these different ex-gangsters or whatever. And you cannot expect that from me now because of the way I dress and whatnot. But, you know, I have my G-Unit tags. I have my Tims all cleaned up, you know, Air Forces, you know, parachute pants with all my caps. You know, I had all that. I That's I'm learning so much from you tonight, man. I just, like, <laughs> just learning so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely did not talk like this. Um, I would you know, be dropping F-bombs every other sentence and whatnot. So I had to change all of that, but I knew that was not me. And it was, it was a, a road for me to find my identity, which I did not understand about myself. But because I wanted that reputation, that, that acceptance so much, I was willing to do whatever it takes, change myself, um, put up a front, whatever it takes, I would do it. Mm. And so with that mindset that, that goes into, uh, you know, Christian life, trying to be perfect. When I first came into the church, I was a very extreme person. And, and, um, there was just so many scenarios of me trying Mm. to be this perfect person like Jesus, like I wanted to be called Jesus um, in my mind. Of course, I did not say that out loud, but that was my aim. That was everything to me. But then I realized after trying so hard that I continued to fall. And every time I fell, I fell harder and then I would try harder. And so it was this, this constant cycle that never ended and I will feel more horrible one after another because it's something that I can't overcome. Like things like things like um, woman, things like I'm going to be real with, you know, watching things that I shouldn't online. And even though I was claiming myself as a Christian, doing God's work, there were problems in my heart. And it wasn't until God really told me, Stephen, you are going to fall right now because you're just starting to walk. And so instead of trying to now do whatever I can to walk again, yes, I should put in that effort, but he was more so saying, Stephen, I am right here. So I'm trying to tell you that I want to help you. I want to guide you. I want to take your hand and hold your hand. And I think that was the biggest uh, difference that made in my life in my christian journey and growing as a man that yes as a man i could fail but in that failure that's more the reason that i come kneeling before god and asking for help all right appreciate that brother andrew yeah i think that um 
amazing things are said or have been said already. And so I guess you know, the, the main thing that I would say is, um, you know, in, in any sort of an organism, you know, um, you're going to have, you know, a majority of the times like bones and blood. And by bones and blood, I mean like a rigid structure, but then also just that, that blood that like actually gives the thing its life, you know. And I think that approaching anything in life, um, uh, it's, it's good to do that. You know, like when you approach like me, I want to be a physician. Um, I know that, you know, being a physician, and uh, what doing what I believe God has called me to do will be amazing. I know that that would actually give me life. I, it, it would be like the blood to me, but, but I'm going to have to set up some bones. I'm going to have to set up some structure to actually attain that, right? And I think that when it comes to like athletes, I was fortunate enough to really have that, like kind of touching on what Loami said. Um, I know that right now, I don't want to wake up in the morning to, to sorry, I don't want to wake up in the morning to go for a job. I know that I don't want to do that, you know, but I know that in one week's time, I'm going to be on an airplane, you know, a signature away from a contract. So I'm going to wake up in the morning, you know, and after I wake up in the morning, I know like I was notorious when I, when I went to school, um, I had a scholarship to play at some school in Michigan called Oakland. And I remember when I was there, um, I was notorious, like I was famous for literally just like locking myself up in the change room and just turning on the music and for hours doing the most monotonous things. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I really, I really believe that, that I was, I, I was happy enough to do that because I knew that when I got on the pitch and the ball flies up in the air and it's like glue on my feet, like that right there, get like, it's like life to me. You know what I mean? Like I just feel good in that moment. And so I think that to translate to spirituality, it's like, man, there's some, 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 some things that you're going to have to do in terms of discipline and, and just all of that, that would really make it worth it. But, you know, that relationship with Christ will be worth it. And I mean, like the discipline that you put yourself through and, and all of that will be worth it. And, and the last thing I would say is, is, you know, that, that you should really just not trust yourself. Mm. You know, I think that when you put a lot of trust in yourself, um, you really fall hard. And I had to learn this the hard way. And I think a lot of us learn this the hard way. But when I stop trusting myself, when I, when I think of myself, I could preach, I could do this, I could do that. I don't care, you know? Like nowadays, I literally, I don't care what ministry you're part of. I don't care who your name is. If I, hear, if I were to hear Brother Dwayne Lemon right now was having an affair, and God forbid, I literally would not be surprised. You know, like mm -hmm. I would not be surprised. And the reason why I would not, not necessarily not be surprised, like I wouldn't judge him. That's the, that's the way to look at it. I wouldn't say like, oh my gosh, how could he? Like, mm -hmm. I don't look at men as if they're not, as, as if it's not possible for them to sin, you know? Mm -hmm. I use that example because when I just came into the faith, I looked at these men and, and, and they'd they see on the screen and like I had screen and I had like the most reverence almost for them, you know? And I almost thought that they weren't people. And then you see them, you're like, oh, snap. Even to hear Brother Lo Ami, I've never met him. I've never anything. I've only seen him on a screen. But to hear him say something as simple as, you know, some days are better than others. It's like, oh, snap, like he a human. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, like he a human. You know, and I think that that's the number one thing that you have to, 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 to say to yourself. Like, yo, um, I shouldn't trust myself. Like if I fall, oh, snap, mercy, God, I need to cling harder. You know, and so it's, it's not this like, I need to be better. To me now, it's like, I need to cling harder. You know, like, okay, you know, I used to think that maybe, you know, I could chill with this person at such a time and be good. But like, now it's just like, bro, I don't care. Don't, I'm the very thought, the very sight of it, I'm running away from because I literally do not trust myself. Mm. And I think that's the number one thing that the number one piece of advice, in addition to all the amazing advice that was given to, that I would give to, to young brothers, man, like do not trust yourself. And that's okay to not trust yourself. Trust in God. Amen. Good word. Good word. But hola. Well, what did what did it for me is 
and it's like this with you know anything in life is it just takes time so when i was getting into basketball like i said i started when i was in 10th grade everybody else been playing since they were in diapers so i have so much catching up to do and it can look impossible i'm like there's no way i could ever be that good i remember making a layup like being right by the rim i would like throw the ball and it go like <laughs> right over the rim I was like, this is impossible. How can people make these shots? But, you know, time. So I would put in overtime, not just, you know, the regular time that everybody else would put in, but I put in overtime because I need to make up for lost time. And it was the same thing when I became a Christian. So I was like 19 years old and I'm just now really opening the Bible, reading it myself for the first time. And I'm like, man, all this was in here this whole time. And I've gone 19 years to without reading this book, I need to catch up. And so that's why I started like skipping class. Well, that has other reasons too. But I started like any opportunity that I had, you would see me like, I binge watch sermons, I binge read my Bible, like to the point where, you know, I would easily be watching eight, nine, 10 sermons a day, you know, sermons like, 45 minutes to an hour easily like that's an everyday thing and it's not like once a week it's every day on top of that you know waking up early making sure I have time to read the bible making sure that I had time to pray and things like this and after you know putting in the time you get the results and it's like that with anything if you put in time for basketball you're gonna be a better basketball player if you put in time for gardening you'll be a better gardener if you put in time for business you'll be a better businessman whatever it is but for some reason, sometimes we try and think that spiritual things are separate, but no, it's a relationship. And in order to develop a relationship, it takes time. And so putting in that time is the thing that's really the most important thing, because if you don't put in that time, there's no like superhuman way for you to just, you know, download the Bible. I mean, God can do it and he can speak to you in different ways, but for you to be familiar with the Bible, to be familiar with God's word, you need to put in the time. Very good. Now, guys, I'm gonna we're gonna broach a subject that is challenging, and for most brothers, uh, the the young ladies are the challenge. And if you go throughout Scripture, you'll find that the great men in Scripture often found themselves in a fallen state because they gave in to their passions. So I know uh, some, some brothers are going to be watching this and some sisters are going to be watching this. And so in a very pragmatic way, and I'm, I'm going to start with the WAMI, and then we're going to work our way down. And I know when we talk about this subject, it is a subject that we, <laughs> God's word is the, the authority, right? So what would you say to your brothers in relationship to how we are to interact with our, with our sisters? How, what should be, should be the best way that brothers should be interacting with our sisters? All right. So it starts with me. So I, I, obviously there's an ideal and, and I'm going to go, I'm, I'm, I'm going to dig in then I'm going to build back up. All right. So I kind of grew up when I came into the folds of Christ, right. There was this very, um, what I was being taught, what I was learning, was women over there, men over here. And it was very, you know, just uh, it, the, 
it was very unnatural the way that it was approached how you relate to the opposite sex right and so oh sister you know god bless you and it's very for me listen i grew up in a home where you hug people you talk to people i'm i'm very i'm just me you know and so i i never understood that now i never i never felt comfortable with the very um What's the book? What's this brother's name's book? Um, kind of formulated a lot of the brother's thoughts. Uh, Why Kiss Dating Goodbye. Mm-hmm. And I knew a lot of people who took that and was the gospel. And I had a good friend of mine, Andre. You, you, you know, we, we have a mutual friend who I was roommates with him. And he was like, nope. It, like, no feelings, no nothing. Everything was in a box. Check, check, check. And it was just very... It was just very unnatural how it was approached. Now, then there's the opposite end where you kind of throw all rules aside and let anything go. And then you get yourself into some very, um, you know, very compromising situations. That's the best way to say it. There is a balance to everything. For me, I can can honestly say that this is a struggle that I have been facing um, for a while. Some, Some weeks, months, years go by and I, hey, I'm on top of the world and you know, you get in a relationship and things are not as tight as you would like it to be. And I realized that what you ultimately want, we're talking about a relationship with God. If you want God's blessing to be there, there are certain things that he has asked us to do, not because he hates us, but because he's trying to preserve us for, to, 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 to maximize the most that we can out of that relationship. And unfortunately we are impatient and we want it now. And so we, cut corners and it can it can ruin something that God can actually was intended to be a blessing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking vague, but hopefully everybody can fill in the, you know, fill in the blank as to what I'm saying. Um, because uh, at the end of the day, that that is a fine line. Listen, God has given us these certain desires. He has given us feelings. He has given us the ability to love and feel loved and give love and Satan has done a great view in a great job in distorting what God has intended to be good, which is love and distorted to equate love with lust and, and all of these other things. And so the best way to go about doing it is there's certain guidelines and principles that you need to establish for yourself. And what are you not going to put yourself, what uncompromising position are you going to put yourself in and, and stick to it? And some days, you know, some you may fall, but the point is to try to, do the best you can to do the best you can to try to ultimately grow your relationship with Christ and allow that relationship to be a blessing. All right. So let me, let me, let me, let me jump in real quick here. Yeah. Brothers, brothers are really struggling. Folks is falling off. Mistakes are being made. We need some practical, tangible things that brothers can do to properly be engaging with sisters and protect the virtue of the sister and the virtue of the brother. So give me something to go with, man. I, I'm dying. I'm dying here, but guys, help me out. Um, brother Steven, help us, brother. It's easier to snap a single branch than multiple branches together. Okay. You got me? So, okay. so if you're struggling, I want you to understand that you're not alone. Okay. And there are others who are struggling as well, but there are others who could help you as well. So 
um, a lot of times we feel, we feel like we have to kind of get through this ourselves. That's a, that's a manly pride thing. Hmm. Like, I don't want to show other people that I'm struggling until you really fall flat on your face and you say, you know what? I can't, I, there's no other option than go to somebody. Don't wait till that time. Hmm. Go right away. You start to have feelings already for this person or, or whatever you feel like, oh, this might not be right. Just go straight before your emotions start overwhelming you and that you can't control yourself anymore. So they have people around you or know, get to know people who you can trust that you can c- contact and ask and, and get help from. And a lot of times they are willing to help you and pray with you, but you just have to be honest and transparent with them. Not everyone out is out there to get you. So there are people, I know that there are people around me, very good brothers that I could count on and go back and ask them, hey, um, I'm starting to get this feeling. I'm starting to, you know, these things happen. Can you, can you help me? What, you know, is this right? Is this okay? And a lot of times they are really able to see, help you see the different perspective of things. And I think that's one of the greatest tips that, that I implemented in my life, uh, which really helped me. And you have to understand, yes, I am this Asian guy who might not have no swag, but that's just, you know, that's just up out here, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's just out here. Really, I used to be so prideful and cocky that I could get any woman in high school that I wanted. And, and I, you know, I come from a world, so I, I slept around, I, I, I messed with different women, not knowing what I was doing, but I really had that pride knowing how to get a woman, maybe because I was a little bit more sensitive than other guys. I don't know, but it, it, I w- it was easy for me at that time. But coming from that, 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 that mindset, I went to the other extreme when I went to the, came into the church. I went straight like nothing like you can't even look at a woman for more than two seconds and 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 that would be wrong in my mind or have no like no hugs just say hi how are you doing sis and then nothing no conversation beyond that unless i am really wanting to pursue a person but then how are you gonna know if you want to really want to pursue a person if you don't know anything about that person that don't even make sense. So even, and that's what I, I'm sorry to, you know, I, that's what I wanted to address because I think we have these ultra extremes where it's like all, free for all, all or nothing. And then the opposite was just like, exactly. Hey, I, I, I have feelings, but I shouldn't have feelings because it's not the proper time. And I don't know if, you know, and so what happens is that we try to mesh these worlds together mm. and, and they start uh, becoming blurry. Uh, you know, as Waller was asking the question, I was like, you know, one of the things that I tried to do was try to have a spiritual mentor, somebody who has experience with marriage and, and can give me, you know, biblical advice, but also, you know, try to be in as much in group settings as possible, not try to put yourself in compromising situations where, you know, you're, co- you know, you're staying later at, at your friend's house than, than you care to, you know, and, and um the affection you know all of these things that that i sometimes we think we go into that situation said i'm going to be strong and then we realize oh no we're not we're really weak um so yeah i there is a balance to how you have to do so you have to be honest with yourself and say is this an area of weakness and if so is this going to be a stumbling block not only for myself but the person that i'm pursuing or talking to or dating or whatever and and 
you know, set those boundaries before you go into that relationship. And sometimes we don't think about that before we enter into it. So we dive in and yeah. then it's like, oh, oh, I messed up. And so it's like, exactly. okay, now I got to go back and I'm going to fix it. And yeah. it's hard because it's like, once that yeah. line is broken, it's, it's easy to fall back into. And so that's what I, one of the things, even though um, it, it, I, I may struggle or, you know, or whatever, I always have people who I can be accountable to is going to check up on me and, and ask me like, how are things with such and such or how are things going? And, you know, and, and being honest, it, it helps you under, identify the root problem and constantly working on it where, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you have to surrender that thing or you have to say, you know what, I'm not ready, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I just wanted to hop in because you, you, you gave a point that I think so many people miss that there is a balance that needs to be approached where, you know, ladies don't sleep on Steven, you know what I'm saying? And then the opposite end is like, you know, I don't want nobody to know who I am. <laughs> um, and, and so, yeah, that's not natural neither. God has created us to be uh, relational and to, you know, interact with human beings in a very natural way. And, and but again, because of the perversity of the world, because uh, at least for me in my experience, I, I, I experience things of the world and because I haven't fully overcame certain things, you enter with baggage into certain situations. And, you know, just like any other sin, you have to be intentionally um, putting your, 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 your position, putting yourself in a position for success and not failure. That's right. right. All right, brother Andrew. I think that um, I'm going to speak, speak to the, the person that is in a, is in a rut right now. Okay. Person that you know, um, this topic is, you know, I know a lot of people, um, a lot of secret things about people, um, you know, a lot of things that people wouldn't want anybody to, to to know, you know, and and people close to me, people far from me, and I I know that this is an issue that that is relevant to a lot of people, specifically in that sometimes they feel like they've gone too far, um, to even come back, you know, and I I my simple thing that I'll just keep repeating is your only safety is in the distrust itself. You know, I think that, you know, there are practical, like, yeah, of course, don't go too far right. Yeah, of course, don't go too far left, you know? Um, but I think that if you, if you operate based upon the principle of not trusting yourself, then, then you can definitely go far. And, and so even if you were a big time preacher, even if you were, you know, known for, you know, righteousness, you know, and you make a mistake, um, that is not, a reason to um, to forsake the cause, to forsake the brethren, to forsake Christ, you know, um, because it's like what you like was like what did you think you weren't gonna, like that wasn't gonna happen? Like what do you think you were perfect? What do you think mm -hmm. you're gonna translate it tomorrow? You know what I mean? Like like what like what do people really think? You know, and so I think that there are definitely practical things that we could say one million percent. But the fact of the matter is 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 those you know mistakes are gonna happen. You know, and mistakes have happened to people. And so I, I want to speak to the brother out there that. You know, it's kind of far from God right now, or it feels like kind of cold, callous, like they, they maybe gone too far. I want to speak to that, brethren, and simply just say, um, like, you have to get to a point where, you know, your, your pursuit is deeper than a feeling. Like right now, um, I have exams, and I study eight hours in a day, you know, after this, I'm a study. Do I feel like studying? Have mercy. No, I feel like going to my bed. I mean, my eyes are weak, my head, I have a slight headache. I'm sitting here, like, I don't feel like studying right now. You know what I mean? Eight hours a day you study, bro? Yeah, you know? Um, God bless you, man. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. You know, like, like, I know that if I do stuff based on how I feel, I won't do anything. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I won't do anything. And so even if you feel like, man, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm too much of a sinner, I'm too much of a whatever, just a simple steps to Christ type of a mentality, you know, like, fam, like, what did I think? You know, Christ didn't want sinners. Like, this is who Christ came for. Specifically me in my situation now, you fell, all right, cool. You know where the practical, you know, steps and resources that you can go to to get. But I feel like you just need to come to the fact that, yo, I made a mistake. Let me put my feeling aside. Christ says that he'll accept me no matter what. To him that comes to Christ, Christ will in no wise cast out. And so I think that there's a lot of practical information that was given already that people can listen to. But I just want to speak to that person that feels like, you know, they can't come back or they can't whatever. People that I know even right now, people that I've known, you know, um, you know, cut that, you know, cut that, cut the feeling. Christ accepts you right now. You know, just come back to him, run back to him. And you're learning how to walk, as Stephen would say, you know. All right. Brother Ola. Yeah, similar to what Andrew was just saying is something that I really go by. And that's, I don't trust myself. So in my head, I can get into a situation where hypothetically speaking, like, let's say there's this one girl and she says, oh, you want to come over? I'm like, yeah, sure. In my head, like nothing's going to happen. But even though in my head and my heart, I don't believe anything would happen. At the same time, I won't even put myself in that situation because I don't trust myself. And, you know, the Bible, Jesus gives us a principle where he says, you know, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If your if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. You know, don't make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Don't put yourself in situations where you can fall. Instead of putting yourself in those situations, you know, if that if that situation, you know, gives the presents itself the opportunity you have to cut it off and say no. And it's similar to, I think it was Lowe that was saying, you know, setting boundaries as to, you know, what is permissible, what is not permissible. If you know that, you know, there's a sister that you might like and that you think she might like, she might like you, then maybe it's best that you don't do anything, you know, in isolation with just you two, you know, go in groups and things like that to prevent, you know, that opportunity from happening. And at the same time, if, you know, there is somebody that you might be interested in, like Steve was saying, talk to another person, you know, tell a brother, tell somebody, you know, having accountability also helps you from making mistakes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so I think the most, two of the most important things is not to trust yourself and to set those boundaries and to cut off anything that can, that can happen or cut off anything that can lead you into going in that direction. Absolutely. Can I comment one more thing? Because this is really personal and going back to what those those people who are struggling, two things. Have your purpose clearly set in your mind every single day. So what that means is if you know what you're supposed to do this day, today, and where I am trying to go, everything else becomes blurry and, and you are able to focus on that one thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we become... Um, distracted and and we forget what we're living for we forget what we're supposed to do we forget our goals that we tend to start getting comfortable and so when we become in this idle state what happens is now we look around and we think we got time for other things when when really if you're focused on what you're supposed to do and where you're trying to get to and if you want that bad enough nothing else will come in your mind really um or it would it will lessen Right. So knowing and having that purpose clearly focused um, every single day helps 
is help me. And second thing is know how a woman thinks. And, and that may seem like it's contrary, but really um, the reason why I say that is because there is something called emotional adultery. All right. So what that means is, yes, we can physically commit adultery and sleep around and touch people, but that is physically shown. It's so much e- you know, easier to hide. But when it comes to the emotional adultery, it is something that people can't see. Mm. But if we commit that almost every single time we're trying to get with someone or we play around with people. Because what you're doing now is you, com- you, you, you have this, you, you make this connection with the opposite sex to a point that the woman has hard time moving on. And what you do is when you are ready to move on, you're like, oh, this wasn't the person. I was, you know, not too serious about it. What happens is the woman is now broken, completely broken and, 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 and it impacts like for years. They can't do anything straight because they're emotionally hurt. And when their emotion hurt that bad, um, even mentally, it has an impact. Mm-hmm. And as a man, I think we have a hard time understanding that because we don't operate in the same way. And it's easier for us to move on very quickly. Mm-hmm. But when we understand how much a single word can impact a woman's mind and their emotion and their heart, I think that really helps us to be like, okay, I have, if I really care about this person, if I really call myself a disciple of Christ and I understand this person was someone that Christ died for just as same as me, then I cannot do this to this person. And so I'll be careful in how I interact mm-hmm. with the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. One more thing I want to throw. Ahead, Lola. In, you know, cause as cliche as it might sound, you know, having a real love for God actually makes a world of a difference too. Because when you look at Joseph in the Bible, you know, when Potiphar's wife was trying to sleep with him and everything, and he had the opportunity, nobody would have known, everything would have been okay. His thought wasn't, how could I, you know, do this evil and sin against Potiphar? His thought was, how can I do this evil and sin against God? Because he actually got it. Him and God had a legit and a real relationship. And I think lots of times we, you know, God is like a, a friend, but not really. And so because, you know, like if I knew that I was going to do something and I know this would hurt my friend, I would think twice about doing it. Mm-hmm. And if God was really our friend or, you know, we really believe that he was somebody who was watching and who sees and who really cares about us and we have a real relationship with him, you would think twice before you do something like that. And instead of thinking of the feelings or, or the satisfaction that you might receive at the moment, you'll think of the pain that it will be causing God and that it has caused God so much so that he had to die on the cross for it. So, you know, thinking of God in that aspect and in that moment as well, is stuff that's actually helped me. Yeah, this is a great point. I'm, I, um, I'm listening to you guys and I'm, I'm thinking about the realities of what the struggle is. One of the things that you brothers need to always keep in mind that that sister is God's daughter and her value is beyond what you could possibly pay for and to rob her of any type of innocence body mind or soul is a violation of the heart of god and i know that i have a daughter and if anybody messes with my daughter i'm ready to chop them in pieces 
You know, I, I said it on video. I, I, I don't care what somebody, you know, they got me in the FBI, whatever. You know, you don't mess with God's children. And if we can remember our love for God and his, and his, and his daughters, um, we would be more protective. And I think a lot of times as young people, you know, sex is a force that we don't really understand fully. And because we don't understand it fully, when we test it out, there's this, there's this thing that happens, you know, we don't know how to describe it, but it's this thing. And that thing creates a connection between two parties. And when that connection is made between two parties, whether that connection is holy or unholy, it does something. And that connection now becomes befuddled on the physical level. And when that physical level is compromised, the mental and spiritual level is also compromised. And so as with any sin, because we don't understand the weight of that sin, we imbibe the sin. We minimize it, you know, but really that sin, if you look at the children of Israel as they're going into the land of Canaan, the one sin that they did right, right at the river Jordan, the banks of the Jordan, was this great fornication party that God literally had to wipe them out and they could, you know, lots of them could not enter in. And so it's because we minimize this particular sin that it's so easy for us to go back into that sin. Now, that's not to say that we don't recognize that as bad, right? So we know, oh, this is bad. Nothing happens to us right away. But what ends up happening is this, this guilt begins to build up in our experience. And then we start to feeling separated from God. And now people start feeling dirty and then start feeling dirty. They don't want to be with God. This is all the trick of the devil. And that's why I do appreciate what Brother Andrew said when he was referencing this idea that if you have fallen into this place, it doesn't mean that you're going to wait, go away from God. God is after you right now. He loves you. He's pursuing you. He wants you to come back to him. Um, however, when grace is extended, let's not go back to it, right? And that's where all these practical applications that are being presented by Brother Stephen and Brother Ola, Brother, Brother Lowe, where these practical things like, I will not, I will not be in the room with this one, especially if you know, you're like, you know she's fine. You know you ain't supposed to be in that room. You, you know she's fine. Like, what, what are you doing? So no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be strong today. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> Stay away. Do not enter into the doorstep of the sister. All right? Yes, Brother Andrew. I want to actually um, touch a little bit on, um, you know, like, it's not just brothers that are kind of like, you know, I'm Seventh-day Adventist. Okay, I fell. Um, right. I, I want to touch on like the brothers that are like quote unquote quote unquote present truth. Yes, brothers that have been preaching, brothers that have YouTube channels, brothers. I want to touch on. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm listening. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, um, because it's like it's to fall as a nominal Adventist. I say that respectfully. It's different than to fall as like I'm supposed to be present truth, right? Mm. And, and I think that that you know, um, uh. I think that, that is, it's important for me to harp on this point of not trusting yourself. But also I want to build on this point real quick. Um, I personally learned, I was just in a relationship um, that was very, uh, um, it was a blessing, literally. I, I was with the girl for a long time. We didn't even get in one fight. I could honestly say it was a godly relationship, you know? Um, now, because life turned and, and, you know, career paths changed, um, when I thought like, oh, okay, I'm, I might be ready, you know, to be married in a short amount of time. It's like, oh, now I want to go to medical school. I'm not going to be ready to be married in my opinion in a longer time. And so that relationship had to be reconsidered. But, but here's my thing though. Um, 
when I was trying to reconsider that, um, I, I really, I'm just like, you know, well, what's wrong with just being kind of in a relationship with godly principles, you know, until, you know what I mean? Until we ready, you know, even if that takes five years, you know, mm. and I remember you personally, even brother Andre, you know, you're like, brother, honestly, brother, you know, <laughs> and, and honestly, I appreciate even, you know, even talking to brother Lance, like, I believe you guys in a Christ-like way, um, counseled me, you know, and, and this is what I would honestly say. Um, even though I highly respect both you and Lance, um, the, your counsel wasn't enough for me to be like, okay, um, you know, I'm going to cut off this relationship kind of a thing, you know, um, because I believe that we can't be reflectors of other people's thoughts. We have to be convicted by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't one, you know, until I like began to proof text the word marriage in the spirit of prophecy in mm -hmm. the Bible. I began to look at relationships. Where's this concept found? Okay, you're only supposed to court for one year. I know good, healthy couples that be courting for a little lot. Like, I, like, I'm not going to go based upon another person's experience. Until really and truly late at night one time, I was just going through some proof texts and, and God really just like, it was like a lightning bolt. And this is the simple point that I want to get. Ellen White has a simple principle, a simple, 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 simple principle where she says, it's better, and I don't quote this verbatim, she says, it's better, it, the principle is, she's talking about speaking up, um, talk, staying up late and talking on the phone late at night, right? And she says, in principle, it is better to carry the courtship into the marriage, mm -hmm. right? Now, now, when I read that, it's like a light bulb went off in my head because I'm like, oh, snap, okay. She's saying thing, as something as simple as speaking late on the phone late at night. Like that right there is something that, yo, that is deeply flirtatious or intimate. Talking later, like that, but that right there, like that deeply intimate thing is better to be carried into the marriage. And I'm like, oh, snap. Okay. God would have it that it would be better for me to carry courtship into a marriage rather than carry marriage into a courtship. Mm. Speak. The deep thing. Here's the deep thing that, that, that really was powerful. Um, love, the Bible says in Songs of Solomon, chapter three, the Bible says many waters cannot quench love, right? Mm -hmm. Likening love to a fire, right? Hebrews 12, the Bible says our God is a consuming fire. Okay, love is like a fire. God is like a fire. God is love. Like you see the connection there. You see the stringing of the text. Okay, um, God is love. God is like fire. Love is like fire. Now, in what context is God is like, in, is God like fire? Well, he says, our God is a consuming fire. Mm. How is God a consuming fire? He consumes sin. The altar would have fire and it would consume the fat and consume the sin, right? And so follow me here. What does sin represent? Sin represents selfishness. And so God being love, if you stay in his presence, he will consume that selfishness, right? And now when you're in a relationship with somebody, you are, in, you are playing with fire. There is fire there now. Mm. But that fire is going to burn up something. And truly love is designed so that when that fire is there, it will literally burn up self or selfishness until, as the Bible would say, two become what? One. That's Bible, right? And so hear, 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 hear this now. Um, when two become one, um, you literally are married. Hmm. You, you might not even have had sex yet. Mm -hmm. Like you're married because you've become one. Like you have spent that much time. In the, it's the nature of fire to either grow or die. Like fire doesn't just stay there. Like mm. oxygen is fuel for fire. Like anything is fuel for fire. And so fire will grow as long as there's fuel. And the mm. thing with love is like, there always is fuel because marriage and relationships teach us how to be selfless. Mm. And so that fire is grow to the point where you might not have had sex, you might not have had kissed, but you're married. And I think that it's better in principle for you to carry courtship into marriage than carry marriage 
into courtship. And the one lesson I learned, brother, was really and truly, um, yeah, I, I, I believe that God has a blessing for me. And I know that if it is that you interact too deeply with a woman, um, y'all are going to fall in love. You know, it's just point blank period. And you might not think that like I'm being serious, but no, you spend intimate time with a person. I promise you, I'm not even talking about sex. I'm not even talking about like you're going to fall in love and then that's going to open up a whole nother can of worms, you know? And so my, my advice would be just operate on that principle, be friends with a person, but, but not in the capacity that you'll begin to start that fight. Mm. Like be social, be social. Like you don't have to say, I'm not going to talk to you. You know, she's going to be on that side. I'm going to be on this side. You don't have to say that because oftentimes strict rules bring about that desire, right? Like Satan used the law to bring about a desire. And so don't bring these stringent rules on yourself. You know what I mean? But also realize that, hey, once I start that fire, have mercy. You know, I went on a journey that um, I might not be able to come back. Mm. Good word. I appreciate a good word, my my brothers. Well, time has flown. I mean, even though we started late, we we have been talking for about an hour and some change. Um, I want to get some closing thoughts from the brethren. Of course, I'm going to start with Brother Lowe and then we'll work our way around. But some closing thoughts, some words of encouragement for, for the brothers that are living in this present world. Um, relationship with Christ, relationships, how, you know, what is your closing, closing thought, Brother Lowe? I'm going to piggyback just more on the struggle than conclude with this, that you are not your struggle. Like you are not identified by the thing that you are struggling with, right? You are, you are identified by what God has, what God thinks of you, the price that he has paid for you. And regardless of your season that you're in, you are greater than your struggle. Um, I want to keep that in the forefront of your mind, especially when it comes to um, uh, relationships, when it comes to finding uh, the love of your life. Um, There's going to be a lot of tests. There's going to be a lot of trials. In our minds, we may have everything lined up perfectly. um, And if we at any point lose focus on Christ and we stumble and we fall, just know that God has not left you. He's not abandoned you. And that you, you know, the guilt that he has placed in your heart isn't, isn't placed there to cause you to drive, uh, drive you away further from Christ, but to actually draw closer to him. And um, so be honest with God, you know, talk to him, um, petition your things before him every single day and ask God, like, Lord, give me a, a stronger, uh, give me a glimpse of your love to understand how this affects you, how this pains you, and, and all of the things, the principles that the brothers had laid out. Um, I would say for me, when it comes to um, the context of love and understanding the principles of relationship, I, I, I am much more aware that the baggage that we have carried from our past sometimes is not fully understood or identified, and we have a distorted view of what love may be. And so I will encourage you to, if you want to know what love is, get to know who God is because God is the definition of love. But if, you know, if you don't, if it's anything that you've forgotten, just remember that you are greater than your struggle. You are not identified by the current struggles that you're in, but that you, and, but, but ultimately you are who God has created you to be and what he sees you is what and how you see your, how you ultimately determine your value is what, how God sees you and the price he was willing to pay for you. Amen. Thank you, brother. Brother Stephen. I want to say that we should all remember God is in the business of giving you more than what you deserve. And that goes with every single part of your life. 
whether it's your business endeavor, your job occupation, your family life, it could be your self-improvement, it could be your spiritual life. In every aspect, God is in the business of giving you more than what you deserve. And a lot of times I think we are so work-oriented as a man that we try to be um, get what we deserve to get. But at the end of it all, I realize in my time now where I am, you never expect such gift from God to come. You never expect that. And I think once you recognize that, whether it's this person that God has given you, you will be so grateful that you want to do everything right for this person. And that's how our relationship as church is with Christ. When we recognize and have that gratitude of what God has given us is so much more than what we could ever hope for, what we could ever imagine, what we could ever be grateful for, then that becomes your sole motivation to be able to do anything and everything that he requires you to do. And so that really helped me in my personal walk. And just two um, books that I want to recommend, and maybe Andre might not like this, but I'm still going to say it because it really helped me in my walk. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a book called Woman's True Desire. Um, it's actually a Seventh-day Adventist artist, um, author. She, I believe that's written for women, but really, when I read that, <laughs> oh, man. It, <laughs> Hello, you're funny. <laughs> so, Woman's True Desire, I think, really opened my eyes to see something that I did not know about women and how they operate, which is completely different than I am. So, it really helped me to see how I should operate and understand them. Number two is Fascinating Womanhood. This is an old, like, 1800s book or something like that. You can still find them. You can find a PDF version, a condensed version, because it's, like, super thick. This is that practical ways of womanhood and what they used to believe or what they used to practice as, a, as the fascinating woman. And when I read that, they, they actually say it's recognized that it's, um, it's advised that men should not read this because it has all the, the, the tactics and, and ways to, to, to uh, develop or ennoble a man as a woman. But really, when I read it, I was, it's, it's based on Christian virtues too. It, it really- you read a lot of books you're not supposed to, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it, really, it really helped me, though. It really helped me to understand more about them. And, and it, it actually did the opposite of understanding more about men. Because I didn't have a father figure to grow up on. I didn't have a good father, a manly figure to follow. So by seeing these, it really helped me to get the other perspective of what a man is supposed to be. If a woman is like this, then what a man is supposed to feel. The whole so that really helped me. He's easy. Yeah, he said himself. <laughs> oh, boy. That was clean, boy. That was good. Oh, <laughs> you good. All right, Brother Andrew. Um, my closing thoughts would be um, this conversation is relevant and you find yourself in the position that you are for a reason. I believe that there's no coincidence that, you know, the book Sanctification was written about two particular individuals. 
that last day um, events are very relevant to two particular individuals in the Bible, be it Daniel and Joseph, you know? And the two things that, that when I studied this topic that I realized about them was, was as you were mentioning, as the children of Israel were on the borders of Canaan, when, when Balaam taught Balak how to cast that stumbling block of women before them, um, mm-hmm. um, Joseph and Daniel both have, uh, both are types of, of sexual purity for the last days. Um, mm-hmm. Daniel in that he was castrated, he was a eunuch. And so he was sexually pure. Like he didn't have that sexual type of whatever. And then Joseph brings that element of choice into it, you know? And, 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 and Daniel represents just that, yo, I'm going to choose to serve God um, and really cut off any opportunity of temptation. Whereas Joseph really loved God to the point where even in the midst of temptation would flee. But I think the bigger picture is, yo, you are going through this sexual temptation at this time um, because Satan is afraid of you, you know? Mm. It's literally Satan's strongest weapon. Like the children of Israel are on the borders of Canaan. How much more applicable could that be to our time? Mm-hmm. That's Satan's number one go-to temptation. And so if Satan is tempting you with that, it's like he, he respects you enough to tempt you with that. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, and so hit, my only piece of advice would, you know, would be you really don't really want it that much. And really, it's overrated. You know what I mean? Like, it really is overrated when you compare it to um, the feeling. Um, and, and, and though I've fallen many times, countless times, I've also I'm not fallen countless times. And I can tell you the moments when you don't fall, when you, when you choose to, because of love, um, overcome that. It's like that feeling, it's almost like when I, when, I, when, I, when I say, you know, I study the Bible with someone, they get baptized. That feels better than scoring any goal in the world in front of any audience. And so my, my piece of advice would be, yo, it really is not worth it. It really is overrated. Like God has so much more for you. Like God is allowing you to go through this because he trusts you. God believes in you. All of God's eggs are in your basket. The Bible says there's no temptation that has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He is able. You see what I'm saying? No matter what temptation you go through, he'll allow you to go through it. But he, he also will give you the power that you might not be overcome by that as well. And so never, ever give up and say, oh, man, I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. I'm a slave to this. You're not a slave. You're no longer a slave. You see what I'm saying? And sometimes that's what you have to do. You have to preach sermons to yourself. Yeah. And nowadays, if I can't preach a sermon to myself, I don't preach it in front of an audience. You know what yeah. I mean? And so really preach that sermon to yourself and believe this is not worth it. God has called you to such a time as this, brother. It doesn't matter how far you've went. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Like, as a matter of fact, the, the further you went gives you a better argument for God to take you back. Yeah. So do not let that keep you from God. You could come back now. And I really am passionate about this because I know brother's struggling with this right now that I pray for today. You see what I'm saying? And so I appreciate this, um, this Zoom. And I pray that by God's grace, man, brothers may be, may be spared and may be saved. And, and that day by day, we may continue to walk. And I love what Stephen said. Um, we're learning to walk, but by God's grace, you know, we'll start running. Amen. And the way that we can run is when you see what's written on those tables, you know, <laughs> when you see that vision, start to run, you know. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Brother Ola. Um, closing thoughts. So the Bible says that God makes everything beautiful in its time. So one way that we usually mess up is that we want things to be beautiful, but it's not time yet. So for example, everybody here like mangoes, right? So let's say you go to the store and you buy a mango and the mango, when you know, it's picked, it's unripe. So, you know, you get the mango, it's unripe, but you're like, okay, I'll put it in the bag or whatever. I'll let it ripen at home. And when it ripens at home and then you cut open the mango, you know, finally it's ready and everything. 
you cut it open and inside is black. It doesn't have, you know, it's, it's not really what it is that you were expecting from a ripe mango. Mm-hmm. But if you had left that mango connected to the branch or connected to the vine, whatever, then it would be sweeter than if you were trying to ripen it yourself and actually be palatable. You'd actually be able to eat it and you'd be able to enjoy it. So instead of us trying to force ripen things and do things our own way, it's better for us to wait on God's timing, knowing that he'll make it beautiful when we actually enter into it. And so patience is something that's needed. It's a virtue. And God is able to give us this patience. But we just need to remember at the end of the day that if we don't have, you know, we're not able to satisfy our cravings with these mangoes or whatever right now, God is making a mango for you, but it's just ripening on the tree right now. And he knows you'll enjoy it better when it's ready. Amen. I I like that mango illustration to leave off with. (laughs) Good. Brothers, I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. We're going to have to do this again. I mean, this this is our first go round, and there's so much more that we could have said and gone into. But I I very much appreciate and thank you guys for jumping on. And those of you who are listening, um, you know, thank you for jumping on with us and paying attention as we we as we were working through uh, our technical difficulties at the beginning. I want to encourage you tomorrow night. We're going to be studying Bible prophecy, so join us tomorrow night and. Feel free to share this video with as many friends as you would like to share this with. Um, Brother Andrew, will you close us out with prayer? Please use your preacher voice as we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for your love and kindness and mercy. Um, I thank you that Elijah specifically was chosen to be um, written about as as a man of like passions um, with us. And we really, when we examine his life, dear Lord, we see a powerful man of God on a mountaintop. Um, we see a powerful man of God rebuking evil and apostasy, but we also see a coward. We also see a weakling. We also see a person in desperate need of your grace. Lord, I pray that we may look at ourselves like that. I pray that we may not trust ourselves, dear God, and realize, dear Lord, that it does not matter who, what, where, when we are, or who, what, where, when we are not, dear God. Um, in and of ourselves, we are nothing. We will flee from Jezebel, dear God. But I pray, dear Lord, that we may also realize, dear Lord, that there is no measure dear Lord, that can, you know, explain just what we can be in Christ. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, you know, um, the scriptures, um, um, the promises in the Bible, dear Lord, that you'll keep us in the hour of temptation. Dear God, I just pray for all the brothers out there that are really struggling, dear Lord. I thank you that when, when people judge, when people stereotype, dear Lord, I thank you that you understand. I thank you that you're patient. I thank you that you're merciful and that you're kind and that you're ever bidding us to come back i thank you that you stand at the door of our heart and knock and knock and knock and plead come back it does not matter i pray to god please that all of us may come home and that we may stay home stay home at the father's heart please dear god this is my prayer i just pray the promise dear lord um uh, i just pray um that you'll keep us dear lord in jude um there's only one chapter verse 24 it says now unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of your glory with exceeding joy, oh my God. Lord, I couple that with what Paul said, dear Lord, in Ephesians, where he says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or even imagine according to the power that works in us. Lord, this idea of not falling, dear God, is exceedingly abundantly above that which we can even imagine. But just because we cannot imagine it doesn't mean it's not possible, dear God. We believe it 
simply because you wrote it. And so by, by faith, we accept your promises. We thank you for the opportunity to meet. And we pray, dear God, that those that need this, dear Lord, may come in contact with it and thus be blessed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, brothers. Good night, everyone. And I appreciate you. Give me in prayer. Give me in prayer for these exams, please. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Blessings. Night. Oh, he just left like that?